Hey, hey, Esoterics listeners, this is Joe. And this is Fiora Lise. And this is the Esoterics Podcast. What's going on? Oh, um, not too much. It's a gloomy California day, which I love gloomy days. So is it rare down there? I think it's kind of it's kind of normal for October, but you never know. It's so weird no. around here, but I, I'm I'm loving today. So yeah. Is it cozy? Yes. Do you get to wear sweaters? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. What's going on with you? Uh, you know what? I um, I want to talk about a book real quick. Um, so I referenced one of my books, and it's called Ask Your Guides by Sonia Choquette. Mm-hmm. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so because I was going to do a little research on a question that I had um, for one of my clients, and then I got sucked in by this book. It really is one of the best books on connecting and working with your guides that I've read, and it's a great one to have around for reference. So I recommend um, if you don't have it anybody out there to pick it up um ask your guides it's really good oh excellent yeah i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna reread it and been thumbing through it and i'm like oh i want to reread that you know about healer guides helper guides um writing to your guides working with your guides your higher self i really actually it's your higher self the section that it Mm. really sucked me in because um you know i think that's pretty much the most important spirit guide there is yeah and one of the things I recently learned is that your, well, I read this, your spirit guide is actually, or I'm sorry, your higher self is actually your primary guide. And then your spirit guides are the helper guides who help direct you back to your higher self. Mm. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. have this question, have those questions. And I feel like a lot of people more recently need this information or or at least are just out there searching for it so that's a great resource yeah yeah what's going on with you i do not have any personal announcements um <laughs> <laughs> my personal life's none of y'all's business <laughs> i got a i got a new car <laughs> mm, that's a super exciting announcement <laughs> that was that was fun yay so, congratulations so, you're, so i get to i get to chauffeur you around in my new car when you come for i know our I retreat know. so that's our upcoming journey the wild our soul medicine retreat that's taking place november 5th through 7th and we're we're sold out on that one we are sold out, completely sold out, full up. Yeah. It's very exciting. We sold out our first event. Yay. Isn't this exciting? Yeah. So um, that's taking place in Idlewild, California. So we'll have pictures and stuff and try to get some reviews when that's over. Because then after that, we're going to start planning our next one. That one, uh, we're probably shooting for somewhere in Midwest territory Michigan Michigan Lake Michigan Lake Michigan, Michigan yes maybe mm-hmm. so we're 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 dreaming that up so stay tuned um I did though want to take a moment to thank everyone who has actively shared have us been actively sharing the podcast on Instagram and through social media we love seeing your posts so um, if you haven't already please make sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and now you can also follow us on Facebook and when you do that you'll get notified when a new episode goes live you can actually play the episodes through the Facebook app so that's very cool. I I tried it and it didn't work, but you know me in tech, so um, I mean, I'm sure I was sure I was doing something wrong. My first thought was, "Where's Fiora? How do I do this?" 
Um, but yeah, you guys, I want to um, thank you because um, I have a client who found me because of the podcast that was shared with her. Um, and that's the only way that she found me. So thank you so much. Your shares are so appreciative yes. or appreciated, right? Yes. Yeah, we appreciate that. Absolutely. I have opened up my jeweler's bench to intuitively designed jewelry commissions. And I talked about this last episode. I said I was thinking about it and then I thought about it a lot more and it just inspiration hit and I decided, boom, this is what I'm doing. Mm. So um, to see some of the work that I do for my clients, you can follow Joe Figuera Studio on Instagram and um, the Akashic Studio on Facebook. Um, basically to design your custom ring or pendant, you get to pick. Um, I open your Akashic record and I use your numerology and your astrology to get insights into the stone that best works with your personal energy. Um, these sil sterling silver mixed metal copper gemstone designs also come with a cool little um, numerology report that includes the metaphysical properties of the crystal gemstones that I use in the design. And then I'll also channel a message from the Akashic Records for you from your spirit guides or higher self on how to best work with the energy of the gemstone in the coming years, right? Within like into 2022, 2023, that sort of thing. So um, check it out. And to see some samples of past designs, um, visit the intuitively designed jewelry tab on uh, my website, thewokeakashic.com. That's a cool bundle. I think so. And I'm so excited to get started doing them. So um, the other thing that I launched was um, an end of year Akashic tarot reading. So um, this is a 45 minute reading. And what we're going to do specifically is focus on the last three months of 2021. So um, October, November and December. And that's going to help you get clear on your path forward and how to use the lessons of the last year to move into really your most powerful self in 2022, right? Mm. Um, just much better aligned with your soul blueprint. It is an Akashic reading, but in this one, I use tarot cards, which I never use tarot cards in an Akashic reading, but this one's kind of going to be a fun little collaboration. Um, so your record will be opened. Um, bring three questions you have, and the goal is for you to walk away with the knowledge that you need to move into the new year aligned with sort of the goals of your uh, soul blueprint. So, And it's only 75 bucks. It's my least expensive reading. Um, so, um, you know, and it's only available through the end of December, so snag it awesome okay what are we talking about today today we are talking about dia de los muertos the day <gasps> of the dead yes i'm so excited i've been waiting for this to learn all week so. yes yeah, so Spoolous. i was super excited to do this um to do this research and and to put together this episode because for me part of the shadow work, the the soul retrieval that I've been doing has a lot to do with reconnecting with, with my culture and with its history and really getting down to the deep down of where things come from and all that. So uh, with the Day of the Dead, the Day of the Dead is actually my, it's my favorite holiday. It's my favorite time of the year. So I've always felt super, super connected with it. And the first time I ever like had any experience with it was when I was 
I was like maybe five or six years old and I was in Mexico with my dad and my family and we were at a festival and they had the sugar schools there and I remember being like oh, I want one and like they mm-hmm. bought me and it was so cool because it was like an entire skeleton made out of sugar and it was the coolest thing so ever since then it's always it's always been very close to my heart yeah why do they call it a sugar skull a sugar well they it's made out of sugar so it, of it's sugar. literally made out of sugar yes wow yeah. but those are the authentic ones right because the ones that we see in the stores they're obviously not made of sugar yeah uh, yeah i mean people do make their own though because there's like little recipes and stuff you can get stuff on pinterest to like make your own it's not difficult and then you'd like paint it with food coloring and stuff to make it oh, but they so actually cool. they're made to represent the sweetness of life that's why oh, i love that yeah. okay all right so Although Halloween and the Day of the Dead occur usually like in tandem and they share some of the similar customs like the candy, the face painting and the community gathering, the two are not actually related. Halloween has ancient Celtic roots and then the Day of the Dead has its own origins that date back to the indigenous people of Mexico and Central America. So the Dia de los Muertos is actually roughly about 3,000 years ago was when it began, and it was celebrated by the Aztecs, but also by the Toltec and the Mayans. I'm going to, for the sake of this episode, I'm focusing on the Aztec beliefs of it because they were the ones that like were believed to celebrate it big time. Okay. So with them, death and the dead were seen as a natural part of life that should be honored and celebrated rather than mourned. In particular, though, the Nahuatl people of Central Mexico believed that the deceased traveled on years-long journey to Chicuna Mictlan, which is the land of the dead, also known as Mictlan. The living would provide supplies such as food and water to aid them on the trek. So I'm going to tie this all in together. So for the Aztecs, the world of the afterlife was arranged into 13 layers of heavens and nine levels of the underworld. So the fate of the deceased was determined on the basis of how the person died. Oh, yeah, that's cool. So I've actually heard that it, this is very similar, and I'm interested to know it. It's um, that it's similar to the Norse mythologies and Valhalla. I don't know too much yeah. about the, the Norse practices, but I'm interested mm-hmm. if somebody like wants to share information mm-hmm. in our group or whatever. Like, totally open to it. I'm. I love when there's parallels between something yep. that's celebrated on one part of the world and you know something completely on the other side where they had no communication that we could possibly know of um, and they were doing the same thing. So I would love yeah, that. It's like the Akashic Records, exactly. the Book of the Dead, all that. Exactly, yeah. yes. So most of those who died violent deaths entered the heavenly realms. One of the layers in heaven was reserved for sacrificial victims, those who died in combat, and for women who died in childbirth. Uh, the women who died in childbirth were recognized as warriors who fell to the battling infant. Uh, <laughs> and if you have a toddler, you can relate. Right? <laughs> for people who died as a sacrifice, uh, as in like a warrior or childbirth, th- those were um, uh, they were they went to a paradise to be with the gods after death. However, in contrast, a person who died of disease went to the lowest level of the underworld, Mikblan. Which that's kind of messed well, up. That's not fair. That's messed Why? up. That's not their fault. Yes, it's not their fault. Okay, I ta- I'm, I'm just making a note here in my margins and my notebook. Don't die Did of I sickness. This? No, that's unfair. <laughs> get okay. your get your vaccine. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> 
<laughs> PSA. <laughs> okay, little tangent. Okay, little tangent. I thought about this last night. Okay, we were watching um, Black Widow. Um, and it, oh, is it good? It's, I liked it. Some people have problems with I it. I Scarlet. I love it. Yeah, me too. Um, so in the movie, there's a lot of the movie revolves around an antidote, like getting the the widows as antidote. I'm not going to go into the whole story or spoil it for anyone. But I turned to my husband and I'm like, how come we don't have antidotes in real life? Like, I've never heard of an antidote. Like, And then I'm like, wait a minute. If you market the vaccine as the antidote for COVID and you tell everyone, go get your antidote, I bet people... <laughs> <laughs> marketing guys marketing it's all about marketing go get your antidote yeah Pick go get your antidote i don't know anyway i just thought it was funny i'm like i've never heard of an antidote in real i mean other than like for snake poison but other than that i've never heard of an antidote that we use regularly well they always they call it a vaccine yeah yeah so anyway okay so sorry tangent <laughs> tangent tangent over game on yes game on so the journey from the first level of the underworld to the ninth was believed to be four years long and very difficult. So the dead were often, they often sacrifice a dog. <gasps> yeah. So, and they would bury it with, with the, with the person who'd passed because they believe that the, this dog who they called the Sholot, um, he was, he would accompany them through their journey and he would help he would help the soul journey into the underworld. So this also has, again, the parallels, parallels with the Greek, um, I think it's pronounced Charon, 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 I think, and the Egyptian god Anubis. So again, mm -hmm. similar, mm -hmm. similar ideas. And then if you've seen the movie Coco, have you seen that? No, you told me about it last time, and I, it's in my list of okay. things to watch. You got to so. watch it, yeah. Because in yeah. in Coco, he has there's this dog, and it's actually like a real like it's the it's one of the Mexican hairless dogs. The Mexican hairless dog is called a cholo cholotquintle, um, and they're cute little dogs. But anyway, that's like that that was a representation. That's kind of what what that means in the movie. If you haven't, you have to see that movie. It's cute. Some people have problems with it. I think I'm like I think they did a pretty good job. People have problems with everything. Right. You can find sakes. something wrong with everything. Like can uh, you just enjoy it for the sake of enjoyment? Right. Anyway. Right. Now as one of those people who can find something wrong with everything, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so after four years of passing these roads, the deceased had ended the wandering and could finally cross a large, plentiful river mounted on this dog. So that's how that worked. I'm sorry that the dog had to die. Me that's too. That's what I'm going to say about that. I know that's sad. But you know, the Aztecs were big on blood sacrifice, so they were just like, Ugh. you know, anyway. I know, savage <laughs> killing these dogs. All right. Uh, so once the exhausting journey was over, the deceased reached the Mictlan and they could approach Mictlantecutli, who was the lord of death, and his wife, mm. Mictecasiwat. So Mik so they had to cross over the river and then they could yes the so when they were okay. be when they would be here so Mikte Kasiwat the lady of death she was the one who actually ruled the land of the dead so according to Aztec legend Mikte Kasiwat was sacrificed as an infant and she was placed in the underworld to become the wife of Mik Miklatequit. 
the king of the underworld. I mean, I took a Nahuatl class and these words are still <laughs> difficult. <laughs> you know, right? And I'm not even going to try it because yeah. it's like, yeah, what she said. <laughs> so Miktekasiwat, who is often depicted with flayed skin and a gaping skeletal oh. jaw, she was linked to both death and resurrection. So... According to one myth, Miktekasiwat and her husband collected bones so that they might be returned to the land of the living and restored by the gods. So the Aztecs appeased the fearsome underworld gods by burying their dead with food and precious objects. Oh. Okay. So that's also like the Egyptians. The Egyptians do right? yep. similar. With the, with the pharaohs and the tombs mm-hmm. and all that. Yes. Sarcophaguses. <laughs> yep. So back to Miktekasiwat. In the underworld, her role was to watch over the bones of past lives, which would be used to create new life in the living world. However, in order for the bones to be able to create new life, they needed to be stolen from Miktekasiwat and be brought to the living world. As their protector, part of her own life would be carried with the stolen bones. Even after the bones were stolen, she would continue her duty to protect them by returning to the living world every year to make sure that the bones were being properly taken care of. Hmm. So it's not that she didn't want them stolen. Mm -mm. No, she was just looking over them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When the time came for her to return to the living world, the Aztecs celebrated Mitekasiwat's return with death festivals and traditional dances, burning incense, song and dance, and blood sacrifice. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, to honor her for her protection of the bones that created life and to seek protection for those who died. So that that in itself is the actual origin of Dia de los Muertos. That was the original tradition. Very cool. Very cool. It, it would be a fun little thing to um, see that done in animation. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would. So um, although we celebrate the Dia de los Muertos now technically from October 31st, November 1st, and November 2nd, and I'll explain why, um, the original celebration took place the entire month of the ninth month of the Aztec calendar, which would have corresponded roughly to late July, early August. Oh. I'm telling you, like, okay. Mexicans know how to party they- the whole month. <laughs> for the right for a significant amount of time. Yes. <laughs> um, so the Aztecs did celebrate it, obviously, a lot differently than we do now and that's due to the spanish colonizers and their catholicism so when the spanish came in to try to you know change the lives of the indigenous people um they were essentially just trying to convert them into catholicism so one of the things that they tried to change was the dia de los muertos they tried to remove the thing because they they thought it was it was, it was sacrilegious, um, so they were, like, not about it, but they did not, obviously did not succeed in taking it away mm-hmm. from them, because they were like, no, we mm-hmm. we do this. Um, Colonizers, fuck off. Yeah, the fuck. <laughs> so, but not lo- not long after the Spanish were exposed to the festival, they, so they combined the Aztec traditions with Catholicism. So this, which is actually known as syncretism. They the way that they combined them was that they moved the they moved the celebration from that late July August time to correspond with All Saints Day and All Souls Day. So the reason why so on October thirty first we still believe this right that the veil between the living and the dead basically lifts 
And then that's when things, you know, open up or we can better communicate or connect with people who have passed. So um, in the All Saints days dedicated, the first day is uh, dedicated to all the children who have passed. And so it's believed that you can be with them for like the next 24 hours. And then All Souls Day is for everyone else, all the adults, everyone else. Okay. Very cool. So again, another example of like the syncretism that that happened with these mergings of the uh, the traditions. So the decorated skulls and the skeletons and even like the the La Catrina, how do you know what that like the the lady, right? The the like she's like the bone lady with the fancy hat and like the real fancy dress. Oh yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. So that the hat the hat is what clued me. Yes. Yep. So La Catrina, La Catrina is actually a representation of Mikte Casiwat. Oh. Yeah. Very very cool. Yes. So that's that's how that started, and that's how that emerged, or that's how that flowed. So, do you think that the veil is thinner on Halloween? Like I've never and. It's, as a psychic medium, I've never attempted to connect with spirit on Halloween. I'm usually passing out candy or drinking beer or something. Yeah. Right. Very un unspiritual. Well, <laughs> seeing as alcohol and spirits and <laughs> okay, think you're somehow doing it, even though you're subconsciously doing it, whether you realize it or not. That's right. Connecting with spirits. That's true. So I think so. <laughs> yes. And I think a lot of it do a lot of us do it subconsciously. Yeah. All right. Well, this year I'm going to try. I'm going to I'm going to do a meditation and uh, see if I can connect with um, a, a friend who's recently passed over and see if it works. Yeah. Okay. So the way that Dia de los Muertos is celebrated today. So again, so now it's officially celebrated on November 1st and November 2nd. And again, corresponding with the children and then the next one for the adults, the next day for the adults. So literally what Dia de los Muertos means, you know, Day of the Dead. But it doesn't actually focus on death or mourning of a loved one. It's more of a happy celebration. You're honoring the your family members of all generation, whether deceased or alive. And it's the belief that you're all coming together as one. So if you watch the movie Coco, that's like the essential thing is like if you, you have to have a picture of them like in the movie. This isn't actually true, but you have to put a picture of them on the altar and then they can cross over. But if you're not, oh. if they don't have a picture of you on your altar, they, you can't, you can't cross over that. Like, that's like the gist of the movie. It's, it's, ah. it's cute. Yeah. But that's not true. No, no. Well, so, um, I'll, well, let me touch on that. So okay. there are a lot of people that when they build their altar or their ofrenda, uh, ofrenda literally means offering, but it's it's actually, you know, the altar that people put together. Um, a lot of people will uh, put like some kind of symbolism or some something extra on the ofrenda for people who maybe they don't have a picture of or maybe pe- people who don't have any family that's like remembering them. So mm-hmm. they're kind of covered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. Okay. That's beautiful. So um, the traditions of the holiday, obviously, they've passed, they've evolved over time. Today, though, and especially like okay, the people will actually gather, gather at cemeteries. This is usually in, in, Me- in Mexico. Um, they, they'll gather at cemeteries and then that's when like they'll decorate the person's grave and clean up the graves, like make sure, pull the weeds and do all that stuff. Because the difference is like, whereas here in the U.S., the 
cemeteries are usually privately owned and obviously maintained in in Mexico and in other in Central America. The cemeteries are publicly owned, so it's up to the families to go and take care of you know their their families' grave sites. So this is usually the time that they take to do that. They'll go out there. So now the gatherings will include things like pan de muerto, which is which means bread of the dead, and that's actually a Spanish thing. Like, and it's a Spanish thing that they brought over. But then they actually like stole it from someone else. So <laughs> there's very Again. little original things within that, within the those people. <laughs> <laughs> just colonizers, just stealing shit, you just fucking just borrowing things, invading at will. <laughs> you know, there's Jerks. no problem with like appropriating the cool tradition. The problem is like that they go and have to kill people over it. You know, right. Yeah, that, I, that's a yeah. real problem. So uh, there's pan de muerto, there's calaveras, which are cal- a calavera is a skull, but, mm-hmm. but actually a sugar skull in this in this regard. Um, and then people also get dressed up. They'll you know put on the costumes. They'll dress up as as Katrinas. Um, they'll also assemble big like floral decorations, and most of these include uh, marigolds. So marigolds are I have a really beautiful story on the marigolds, but the marigolds are often referred to as the flowers of the dead or flor de muerto because they, oh, that's pretty. yeah, they believe that the scent of the, of the orange bloom helps attract the souls to the altar. Mm-hmm. So if you see it in Coco, again, like the road mm-hmm. that they travel on is like all made of marigolds. Like it's just like the petals are flying everywhere. Cause it's like, that's guiding them, guiding them to the altar. <sighs> it's sweet. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah, you you'll cry. It's so sad. I cry. I cry every time, and then my son stares at me. He's like, Why are you crying? <laughs> Leave me alone. Why aren't you crying? <laughs> go go play. Yes. So uh, the calaveras, which are traditionally made from sugar, again representing the sweetness of life. Um, the calaveritas are part of the ofrenda. They also symbolize the earth element along with other foods that people will put on there because we'll, we'll put food on the altar. So like mole, chocolate, the pan de muerto, or whatever you want. But it's but it's generally like the traditional foods that you put on your altar because what is believed, again, that that journey is so long that it's food to assist in making the journey Back through the through the layers of heaven or the underworld, whatever. Um, that's that's you're helping them come back. So the altars or the ofrendas are the centerpieces of the celebration. Again, the their point being that they beckon the spirits back to the land of the living for the festivities. Um, so we we create these altars either at the grave sites or in their homes. Actually, here out like here in Southern California, we have several. Day of the Dead festivals, and a lot of them will include just people that created like booths with their ofrendas on them. So it's really sweet because we all like get to Aww. walk by and look at everybody's ofrendas. It's really cool. Aww. But generally, the whole point of it is that families gather at the site to eat and tell stories and honor their honor their family. Okay, so I want to break down how the altars, how the ofrendas work. So the ofrendas, again, are decorated with offerings for the spirits that are meant to represent the four elements. So fire, water, earth, and wind. So for fire, candles are lit to help guide the spirit's journey. And then water, the pitchers of water are left to quench their thirst while traveling to the land of the living. And then earth, 
that's the variety of all the traditional foods to help nourish the dead. And then wind, which is uh, papel picado, which is literally means like chopped paper. <laughs> but it's mm. like if you've ever seen, it's usually um, like tissue paper and then they cut into it and then it's got like cute little designs and stuff and yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's papel picado. Mm -hmm. So they usually will hang that um, and they have those, you know, the patterns cut out. And that's, it's said to allow the souls to pass through. Oh, that's really cool. It's cool. It, they're those, they're those um, decorations that people will put up, it, like the bells, mm -hmm. you know, where you just sort of open them up and they turn into this really yes, cool. Yes, exactly. Yes. Tissue mm -hmm. paper shaped thing. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Also, if there's if there are children on the altars, then a lot of people do put toys and other things, you know, for for that child up there as well. So here's the story of the marigolds, the the flor de muerto. So the other word for for marigolds or the um, in the original indigenous Nahuatl word is campesuchil, which literally means 20 petals. The use of marigolds in the death rituals are traced back to an Aztec origin myth. So in this myth, it's that there was there were two lovers. And actually, if you look up, if you Google Xochitl and Huitzilin, which I'll maybe I'll like put a picture of it when we do the, the thing. It's it's this really cool picture of this like Aztec warrior carrying this woman. I think my, my mom actually has one too. I, I love this picture. Anyway, so they were they were two lovers who they would often hike up to the top of a mountain and leave flower offerings to the sun god, Donatui. And um, they would go up there and leave their offering to swear their love and their commitment to one another. However, then Huitzlin is tragically killed in battle. So then a distraught Xochitl goes up to the mountain and she prays and begs to the sun god to reunite them on earth. Mm -hmm. And the sun god, Donatui, moved by her prayers and offerings, grants her wishes by sending a ray of sun that transforms her into a flower as golden as the sun itself. And then she re he reincarnates her lover as a hummingbird. So <gasps> when the Huitzilin, the hummingbird, approaches Xochitl, the flower, with his beak, her 20 petals bloom, filling the air with Campesuchil's distinctive and powerful scent. And so that's, that's the story. And then they're always together. That's so beautiful. It's very powerful, too. I could feel the energy when you were talking Me about Me, too. I that. was, like, tingling. Yes. <laughs> yes, I felt that. That's so weird. My whole body was tingling yeah. when you were telling the story. And I'm like, whoa, that's some strong, powerful energy. I love that story. So ever since then, the Aztecs used the Campesuchil to call their dearly departed back to the physical world. Oh, come. You have one night. One night together. Yeah. Well, with that, I mean, you're basically always together. It's a combination yep. of the hummingbird and the flowers. It's so pretty. I love that oh, story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <gasps> to wrap this up, to close this up, I did want to, I want to share this post that uh, one of, um, an account that I follow on Instagram, she she posted it and I thought it was so beautiful. So I asked her for, for her permission to share this. So her her username is Daphne La Echicera. And so I'll link it if you guys want to take a look because she also posted a picture of her altar. It's beautiful. So the post says, you can build a big altar for your ancestors, but if you're will to keep forward and the steps to your own power aren't big, you are not honoring your ancestors. You can make your altar to look beautiful, 
But if you do not feel beautiful with the nose that you inherited from your uncle, your grandpa's hair, and your grandma's eyes, you are not honoring your ancestors. You can place an insane amount of water in your altar, but if you do not allow yourself to cry, you are not honoring your grandma who had no other option but to swallow her pain and tears. You can place the best food on your altar, but if you do not heal to your relation with food or acknowledge the struggle that was for some of your ancestry to put food on the table, you are not honoring them. You can burn all the copal in the world, but if you do not have that self-healing preservation instinct that would have any tree when those resins are produced, how can you offer it to your ancestors? You can play music and music for your ancestors, sing to them, but if you do not raise your voice and use your words to fight the oppression and injustice that they lived and scream for reparations, you are not honoring your ancestors. You can make your altar colorful and vibrant, but until you do not acknowledge all your ancestry and make peace with every single color, nuance, pattern of your DNA, you are not honoring your ancestors. For your ancestor, the altar that matters is you. That's gorgeous. She did a great job. She used the beautiful context of the altar and ancestors to script that story. And the cool thing is that it applies in all areas of life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's gorgeous. Yes. Okay. Give her a lesson, guys. Or a, give her a follow. a follow. Yeah. So I did want to mention because although this is, you know, obviously it's, it's, Mexican and Central American and all that. But regardless of the culture, I just want to put out there that if you feel called to to do this and participate, there's nothing to stop you. This isn't, again, this is not like a closed practice. The only thing with this is, again, we've talked about this before. There's a, a, there's nothing wrong with appropriation. There's just a problem with mis- misappropriation, but it's just a beautiful way to honor your family, to honor your ancestors. So why mm-hmm. not? Right, right. So yeah. So basically don't get wrapped up and worried about if anybody accuses you of misappropriation, yeah. because this is a beautiful, um, you know, with just like the poem or, or um, the Instagram post, it, it can apply to any culture. Yes. You know, if you're not, if you're not doing these things, you're not honoring, you know, those who came before you. Yeah. yeah it's a beautiful tradition. Yeah. Yeah. It- Yay. That was, that was awesome. Thank you so much for share. I love the story at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all mm-hmm. the stories, I love how all of it has, mm-hmm. the, there's, it's all intertwined with, with mm-hmm. different stories and the different myths and, and all that, the, the fun stories. I like the little nuances behind Mm -hmm. like why do we use this why do we do that and and all that but yeah there's um I mean just with with this with these traditions I feel like I I know out here like in in Riverside we've had the the Dia de los Muertos festival for years now like well before like the movie Coco came out and all that um but I feel like even with that movie like it really did help open some people up I mean there's um something like 36 million people in the United States that identify as Latino or Hispanic. Um, and then 60% of those people identify as Mexican or some have some kind of Mexican heritage. So it's a lot of us. It's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's beautiful stuff worth, worth celebrating, especially when there's such a, a loving intention behind it. Mm-hmm. 
And I love to learn about it because I was sort of denied my culture. You know, uh, my grandfather was Cuban. My grandmother was Mexican. And so um, I was sort of, I was denied that when they moved to uh, Michigan from um, Little Havana. And, um, you know, my grandfather was like, you know, you, we have to fit in. Mm-hmm. To, none of the kids were allowed to, you know, um, speak Spanish except in the house. And so, of course, that wasn't taught. I was not taught that. Yeah. Uh, that was, you know, so. And then all of the, 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 you know, the wonderful cultural things that, you know, you learn from your grandmother, like cooking and history and all those things. Of course, she died before I was born, so I didn't get to learn that. Yeah. And, you know, that's just not who my mom was, unfortunately. So, um, so I, I love learning about all these through you. So yeah, thank you for it, sharing. That was beautiful. It's a beautiful way, again, like the, the soul retrieval. And on that same token, on honoring that, maybe your family didn't feel like they had the liberty to hold all their practices to keep their traditions going but you now have the power to change that and to honor your family by Mm -hmm. embracing that culture that maybe they were either that they were denied or that they felt like they couldn't embrace right right and and i started with my altar yeah Mm -hmm. it's beautiful all right you got something for us for the closing vibe yeah, I do. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about the numerology of of November and December. Um, so the last months of 2021, uh, they're here. And so as all of these major planets move forward again, um, it's really sort of important to know what's happening externally and energetically, because then you can use that to sort of fuel what's happening to you internally because everybody's going through a major shift. Fiora and I were just talking earlier how lots of um, established readers are actually shifting out of doing readings and more towards um, a more creative um, endeavor, whereas new readers are being asked to step up and take uh, uh, on the mantle of providing readings. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the month of October wraps here in a couple of weeks, we'll have experienced a total of four planets that are moving direct. And I'm not, I'm not an expert on astrology. I'm learning. Um, but I do love, um, I'm learning about the planets and how their energy affects us. Yeah. It, to me, I think that's just so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so having been Many of those planets have been retrograde since spring, um, and I don't know about you, but for me, life j- has just seemed kind of unsettled and sort of turbulent that just since then. Maybe not life, but definitely internal. All right, so um, the first thing to understand is that the universe wants what's best for you in your highest good, both individually and collectively. That's its primary focus. So anything that happens in the universe with these energies, with planetary energies and all of that, it's specifically for your higher good. We might not feel that in the moment, but trust, trust, trust. Um, So now that um, today uh, Mercury is finally stationing direct, yay. And then also, what else is it? It's Jupiter. Jupiter. Yep, Jupiter. Um, So you might begin over the next couple of days, the next week, start to feel um, like you're moving in a new direction where you feel stuck. You might start to move forward your ideas, communication issues, or the inability to feel like you're communicating your thoughts properly. All of that is going to start to shift. Okay. Um, Now know that this shift is going to take 
a while. So it's not like life's going to change immediately, but that's the whole point of it is this gradual shift. It's going to take until late January of 2022 to completely complete, right? All these seven planets that were in retrograde at one time to all shift out and move together. All right, so first one is Pluto, which is the planet of creation and destruction. Um, That's going to shine a light on how you stand in your personal power. So, um, you know, make sure that you've looked at that um, and know that, that you might feel like certain things are on the chopping block jobs, career paths, business relationships. Um, That's the whole point of it Mm. is to make you see what's working for you, what isn't working for you. Maybe you want to do something different um, and say, okay, this is the time to look at that. Give your your inner thoughts a voice. Mm -hmm. Saturn went direct. And so what that's going to um, impact is any delays and challenges that you're struggling with. Um, It's the planet of discipline, karma, and maturity. So all of those things are going to come up. It's going to show you, it showed you where you lack discipline, Um, you know, maybe any karmic relationships or circumstances came to light. Um, Basically, how are you going to meet your um, responsibilities? And um, what are you going to do to contribute? Ask yourself, how can I contribute? What is my passion? What is my purpose? Um, how can I contribute in a way that makes me feel wonderful, but also, um, you know, it impacts society in a positive way? That's some energy that has been sort of um, building up too. Jupiter, um, that's the door of op- uh, the planet of opening new doors and windows of opportunities. And that's when you start to feel that joy and that expansion as that goes direct um, adventure and all of those things. Um, so this is when you might start to feel brave. You might feel a little bit fierce. Um, you might feel like I'm going to embrace my dreams. Screw it. I'm just going to do it. I don't care what anybody says. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, new experiences and new opportunities. So when that comes really take advantage of that. Now, there are a lot more, uh, like I said, there were a total of seven planets and I'm not going to get into all of those, but, um, but th- that's the energy that's all taken place in October. Okay. So yeah. it's a big shift from the beginning of October to now. Mm-hmm. Huge shifts have taken place. Yes, definitely. All right. Now what we're going to move into November is a seven universal month. That means everybody experiences that seven energy, regardless of what your life path is or your personal year is. Um, and that seven month is about learning personal development and spiritual growth. Seven is always associated with spiritual growth. Um, so it's time to dive into your truth, your personal truth, and ask some of those bigger questions that you may have been avoiding up until now, or maybe you've pushed them aside or you struggled with them. I know that I struggled with my bigger truth hugely for weeks and weeks. The energy of November is it's going to help support that really, really deep soul searching um, within. Um, and it's also, um, uh, November is, um, it, it's the 11th month and that number 11 is a master number. And so it's a powerful portal to connecting with your spirit guides and your higher self. It's a great time, November, to develop your skills or strengthen your skills intuitively. Awesome. Um, November can also help us sort of address and heal those deepest wounds and clear out any of that shadow. Um, it finds us at our most peaceful in a very long time. So really take advantage of that. Um, embrace the peace 
give gratitude and appreciation for the peace. And that's going to help you go deeper in, into the spiritual. Okay. So then we're going to move into December, which is an eight universal month. That's the power month. Eight is eight is one of my favorite numbers because it's all about material um, success and action, being a leader, but also helping others. Powerful people that help others become powerful, man, that's badass. It doesn't get more badass yeah. than that. And, um, you know, it's not about, you know, being the most powerful. It's about, I'm going to help you yeah. and show you how you can be powerful too. Mm -hmm. So that's December is when you may um, find yourself finally ready to stand in your power. And I'm not just talking about, you know, oh, I'm ready to move forward. No, you finally are like, okay, all right. <laughs> uh, 2022 is right around the corner. I'm going to do this yes. thing. Um, you know, even if it's just you're ready to hold it a little bit in your hands, right? Maybe you're not ready to step into it, but hold it in your hands. Mm -hmm. December, the energy there is going to support an exploration of self-trust and our divine connection. Um, it helps us see what success in all areas of our life looks like to us. Um, it's also powered by the energy of the winter solstice. And so it's going to bring a spiritual deepening of our connection to our higher self and that universal wisdom within. It's about self-power. It's about empowerment. It's about being badass and, you know, being comfortable in your own skin. Um, all right. So how you can use that is to um, use that December um, energy, that eight energy to learn how to speak your higher knowing. Um, it's all about communication. Speak your truth, speak your higher knowing, ask for help from it, and then quieting to listen to the answers from your internal voice, your higher self. So um, you've got the energy of power and action that is very prevalent in December. So it's critical to ground, right? And ground in your personal values, ground in who you are. Yeah. And some of the questions that you can ask yourself are, you know, what purpose do my passions serve others in the world? That's really important. Um, who do I believe that I am? Because if you don't believe that you are who you want to be, uh, you got you got to work through that. You're gonna have to sort of do the work to get to a place where who you believe yourself to be and who you believe yourself capable of being are in alignment. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, those two questions: um, what are my purpose and who am I? Do they align and support each other, and thus supporting your long term goals? So, um, it might seem like oh, that's so much work, you know, but it's really just about going inward. Both of these months, November and December, go inward, meditate, um, connect to your higher self, ask for yourself to be shown, and then prepare to be shown. Yeah. Um, the scary part is the universe is going to show you in ways that you might be like, I didn't ask for this shit. <laughs> and it's like, well, you really can't, you know, determine that. Um, all right. So just to wrap it up. So as these planets and um, as, you know, they, they station direct and then they're sort of languishing and hanging out in that shadow phase. Um, and then as November and December approach, the last three months of the year are really the time to get clear on your spiritual path forward and make sure that you use those lessons of 2021 to your full advantage. Um, use them. I mean, they 2020 and 2021 have put us through the goddamn ringer. Like they really have. So fuck them, right? I'm going to use the lessons. What have I learned from these, you know, asshole years? Mm -hmm. What have I 
learned and how am I going to use that to stand in my power and say, okay, that's it. Uh, I'm going to do this. Um, so, um, that's, that's, that's what I'd like to share. And then if you'd like some help, um, you know, exploring all of that, um, I have the, the, the end of your Akashic Tarot reading. So book that and we can get into all of that and explore that. Definitely. Okay. That's all I have for the closing vibe. Wonderful. That was a lot of really good information. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, sorry, I got to get back to the show notes. Um, let me see. You're talking about the second paragraph. Okay. Okay, guys. You can find us on all the socials under Esoteric Podcast. Um, be sure to join our Facebook community, the Esoterics Group. Um, and, um, you know, that's where you'll hear firsthand about our services, events, and courses, as well as um, intuitive development tips and card pulls and meditations. Um, also, be sure to follow us on Instagram as well, because I'm starting to do a lot more there um, with stories and stuff like that. Yep. All the links for all those are in our show notes, too. Yes. Thank you guys for sharing space with us today. Stay mystical, magical, and ready to do it again next week when we will be talking about Samhain. Samhain. This is exciting. Um, are we going to talk about Halloween too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. It's Halloween and Samhain. And Samhain. Okay. All right. Wonderful. I'm excited. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Bye-bye.